Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with our uh, very special and highly esteemed, highly coveted guest speaker and uh, and prolific Christian author, J. Dr. J.B. Hickson, uh, is with us once again, and we are so blessed to have him uh, with us. It's been well over a month since we've been able to broadcast uh, with JB because quite frankly, he's been busier than three or four people ought to be. Uh, but he's been loving every second of it. Uh, I've been keeping track of where he's been and have listened to a couple of messages that he's given and boy, oh boy, he's tearing it up out there. Oh boy, JB. I love it, man. And, uh, we're really, really thrilled to have you back today. And, uh, I'm not gonna drop uh, the information to everybody. I'm going to let you tell us what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, it, it, I know it's really good stuff. We've already talked about it. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I give the floor to Dr. J.B. Hickson. Welcome, J.B. Curtis, man, it is so great to be back with you. I, I miss our uh, talks. You know, we got into a rhythm there a couple of years ago where we were uh, meeting every couple of weeks. And man, it was always a blessing. But uh, life just comes at you so fast, doesn't it? And now we're yeah. uh, we're both so busy. But yeah, the new book came out since we last talked. And uh, we're excited oh. about Spirit of the False Prophet. And uh, did you get your copy? I got my copy late last night, about 9 p.m., I opened it up and I started looking at the table of contents and then I flipped over uh, to the acknowledgements page, you know, and I always, I, I'm a book reader, so I read everything and lo and behold, I was really humbled and, and uh, honored to have made your acknowledgement section. Thank well, you, you know, so it's much. it's amazing what a $50,000 check will do. Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I, I love you guys. I love Lucas, all of our friends there in central Illinois, and really appreciate you sharpening me as we uh, as we talk. Well, you know, likewise, my brother, likewise. I think you're, you're, get, you're making me sharper. I hope I'm hoping to do the same for you. Um, uh, but I know that I know for a fact you're doing it for our listeners. And and uh, so I know they're in store for something special today. What are we talking about? Yeah. So uh, we are going to blow through a top 10 list. You know, uh, people like to think in terms of numbers. In fact, I had a publisher tell me one time that anytime you can put a number in the title of your book, it, it always tends to sell better. So we're going to we're going to talk about 10 things Satan hates. And uh, I know that's a, a, a long outline, so I'm going to have to just touch on each one of them uh, quickly, but hopefully it'll get our listeners uh, uh, kind of uh, thinking in these terms of, of the enemy and what a, a formidable enemy uh, he is. So we'll just run through 10 things Satan hates, and then uh, and then uh, we'll move on. You know, we are so busy these days. We've got a lot of podcasts that we're doing, and one of these days I'd love to have just a prolonged roundtable discussion with guys like uh, Curtis Chamberlain and Lucas Doremus and even Pastor Dick and just to spend three or four hours just sharpening one another. But unfortunately, Amen. the clock is our uh, king uh, today. So we'll run through this uh, 10 things Satan hates. You ready to go? I'm ready to go, JB. Well, first of all, I thought it was interesting as we were trying to get started uh, this morning that we had a rare 
technical troubles. Now, you're kind of a great technology buff, and you've been doing radio and podcasts and stuff for a long time. So uh, it wasn't expected. But when you look at our topic today, I guess it shouldn't be surprising at all. Satan loves to toy with us, and he certainly doesn't want us exposing uh, him, but he is uh, a powerful enemy. And the very first thing on my uh, list of top 10 things Satan hates would be God. Satan absolutely cannot despise God. In fact, if you go to Isaiah 14, we kind of get the backstory of what happened in the heavenlies when Satan staged a coup against Almighty God, the creator of the universe. The prophet Isaiah tells us how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Now, contextually, this uh, prophecy of Isaiah, you know, 8th century uh, BC, prophet to the northern kingdom, he's referring in the context to the king of Babylon, but it's an illusion illusion, as we know, uh, to Satan. And in fact, uh, uh, you know, he goes on to describe uh, in great detail the pride, the five I will statements that Satan expressed as he was trying to defeat his arch enemy, God. And he said, "I, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And of course, God responds by saying, yet uh, not so fast, uh, Satan, you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. So Satan hates God. He set his might, uh, his sights on man's, uh, God's highest pinnacle of creation, mankind. We read about that in Genesis 3, and he began to undermine God. He questioned what God said, if you remember in verse one, uh, he has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And uh, the, Satan opposed God, directly accused God of lying and lied himself when he said, you will not surely uh, die. So Satan hates God. And that is kind of the fundamental uh, framework for my latest three books as we talk about the spiritual battle. Satan is uh, conspiring with his evil spirits in the unseen realm that we read about in Ephesians 6, and he's conspiring with earthly uh, accomplices on earth to try to defeat God. And unless you understand the spiritual nature of this battle, uh, you will be at a disadvantage all along. Never underestimate the enemy. But the second thing Satan hates is Jesus Christ, God's eternal Son and our Savior. And, you know, he has been trying to destroy uh, God's uh, plan, you know, going back to that same passage in Genesis 3, after God, uh, after the fall of man, uh, God confronts Satan, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. I'm sure our listeners have heard me talk about this uh, many times, but the reference to her seed there is the reference ultimately to Jesus Christ. That's why it's capitalized in most English translations. He's talking about the ultimate seed of the woman, which is Jesus Christ. And of course, a woman doesn't have the seed. That's what's so peculiar about this Hebrew word. It's the word zerach, and it always refers to the male seed, uh, which is uh, biologically correct. Uh, a woman doesn't have a seed, and yet here he call, he refers to her seed. That's a veiled reference to the virgin birth. In other words, mankind rebelled against God, sinned, used his own free will, volitional choice to, to disobey God, and yet God 
set in motion immediately a plan to express his incredible love and grace and mercy and redeem mankind uh, by, uh, you know, sending his son, our Savior, to earth in the form of a man born of a virgin, lived a perfect, holy, sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and now uh, has defeated Satan and can offer the gift of eternal life to those uh, who believe in him. And so, you know, Satan hates Jesus. And so right from the beginning, when God began to explain his demise, because he goes on to say that this seed of the woman is going to crush Satan's head someday, which of course he did uh, at Calvary when the fatal wound was issued. And one day he he will cast Satan into the lake of fire along with the Antichrist and false prophet, where he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So Satan's destiny is fixed based on the sovereignty of God, and God uh, has already declared him to be uh, the great big loser that he is. But in the meantime, over 6,000 years of human history, Satan has been doing everything he can to put a stop to God's plan to redeem the world through his eternal Son and our Savior. So we see early on in Genesis the the unholy incursion of the uh, fallen angels uh, cohabiting with the women on earth to try to mess up the gene pool. Uh, we see uh, Herod trying to kill all the newborn babies uh, in uh, Israel in that day um, when Jesus was born around, uh, you know, in Bethlehem. We see uh, a time and again all of these examples. We see if we go to the end of the story in the, the book of Revelation during the tribulation period, that we see the story of the ten horns, which are the ten kingdoms. I've talked about this a lot in recent conference presentations, but these ten kingdoms will make war with the Lamb, Revelation 17, 14 says. And they're doing so at the behest of Satan, and uh, they are going to try to overcome and defeat uh you know, the, the the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But of course, uh, Revelation 17, 14 tells us that he, the Lamb, will overcome them. So it will be just the opposite of what Satan hopes for. So Amen. Satan hates God. He hates Jesus. But guess what? He also hates humanity. He absolutely despises you and me because we are made in the image of God. We are God's image bearers. And so when God, when people look at us, including Satan, then they are, if we're walking with the Lord, they are to see um, God's glory. We are to shine like lights in this perverse uh, generation. Jesus said in the in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus tells us in John 8, 44, that Satan uh, is a murderer from the beginning, and yeah. he, he wants to kill people. He's a killer. Uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse, uh, I think it starts in verse uh, 14, uh, it says, um, there is a generation, actually it starts in verse 11, there's a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men, and and who are these? This who is this generation serving at the behest of? Uh, none other than Lucifer, Satan. These are the Luciferian elite, people like Klaus Schwab and Yuval Noah Harari, who thinks we're all just useless breathers and redundant, and we have way too many people. We just need to get rid of them. People like uh, Bill Gates, who's trying to 
you know, lower the world's population by poisoning vaccinations and so forth. So, uh, you know, and that's, by the way, that's on record with India. He ended up getting in big trouble with the government of India because of the, the vaccinations that he gave uh, to all the young uh, girls there ended up uh, sterilizing them. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Big, big news. So Satan hates humanity. He's our enemy. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus told us in John 10, 10. So uh, just remember, you have an enemy. And then the so so Satan hates God, Jesus, humanity. He also hates the church. Now I'm going to be talking about the church, or actually, by the time our podcast airs, I will have already uh, talked about it. So I encourage folks to go back and watch the messages from Plum Creek Chapel. They're available at notbyworks.org on the videos tab. But I talked about the the church in God's plan of the ages, and how the church is a unique mystery that that God in His plan unveiled for just such a time as this in these great last days prior to the coming kingdom. And we know from Ephesians 6, that which is a great uh, epistle that's all about the church. I mean, uh, you know, Ephesians 6 really uh, is essentially a handbook to the doctrine of ecclesia- ecclesiology, if you really, when you get right down to it. And, you know, we see uh, a good friend of mine who's with the Lord now, he wrote the foreword to my uh, first ever book uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, his name was Dr. Earl Rodmacher. Uh, he's got an excellent uh, outline of the book of Ephesians. We may have talked about this on the Christian Underground News Network uh, years ago, who knows, but uh, the book of Ephesians describes the church using six metaphors. The church is a body that can never die in chapter one. It's a building that can never be destroyed in chapter two. It's a boldness that can never be discouraged in chapter three. It's a brotherhood that can never be disrupted in, in chapter four. Ephesians chapter five talks about the church as a bride that can never be divorced. And then chapter six, it talks about spiritual warfare and describes the church as a battalion that can never be uh, defeated. So Satan hates the church, and that's why Paul says uh, that we should be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, uh, the crafty schemings of the devil. Why? Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So absolutely, Satan hates the church. Uh, The church is the conduit for the gospel today. We are the ones who are supposed to be spreading the good news, fulfilling the Great Commission, uh, and he absolutely hates the church. And then right there along with it, number five, Satan hates the Jews. Boy, don't we see that uh, better than ever before uh, in, in our day. Satan has always hated the Jews because God promised Abraham that through the Jewish people would come the Savior. That's why uh, Jesus said to the woman at the well, you know, uh, uh, you know, salvation is of the Jews. And so he hates the Jews. He's been trying to destroy the Jews. Everything, uh, you know, he he does is to uh, to bring down God's chosen nation. He hates that Israel is called the apple of God's eye. And at the midpoint of the tribulation in Revelation 12, we see the dragon, that's Satan, who is enraged uh, with the woman. And that's Israel. And he goes out to make war with the rest of her offspring and all who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So this battle will not end with any kind of a peace treaty or a pause or uh, in the battle. None of that's going to solve the problem. It won't be solved until the Prince of Peace and King of Kings comes back, takes the throne, and rules in perfect peace and justice over the kingdom. You better believe Satan hates the Jews. So the first five things Satan hates, he hates God, he hates Jesus, 
He hates humanity. He hates the church. He hates the Jews. But here's an interesting one. You know what else Satan hates? He hates being controlled. Uh, that's yeah. really at the root of all uh, sin. It's it's when we want uh, to go the way of the fl- of flesh. We want to fulfill our fleshly appetites, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We don't want to be restrained in any way. And of course, the Holy Spirit is a restraining influence uh, on each individual believer. He convicts the world of sin. He uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit in and through the church is a restraining influence on the world as a whole. It keeps evil in check uh, to the extent that believers are following the Spirit and not walking after the flesh. And so uh, this whole issue of control goes all the way back. Satan uh, wanted to usurp God's control in the, the heavenlies, uh, that didn't go well, and he got uh, booted out along with one-third of the angels who conspired with him. But Satan just moved the conspiracy to a new location, and he added another co-conspirator, and that is human accomplices, the Luciferian elite. And together, that uh, triad, Satan, evil spirits, and human accomplices, have been working for 6,000 years to throw off the bonds of God's control. So David tells us in Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? And indeed, it is vain. There's no way they're going to be able to usurp God's authority. But notice what David says, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, well, what are they saying? What is their goal in this conspiracy as they counsel together and plot and plan and connive well, here's what they say, Psalm 2, 3, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords. There is capitalized with a capital T. It's a reference to the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and these uh, Satanists want to break the bonds of control. Satan has control issues, and he absolutely hates being controlled. Number seven, Satan absolutely hates, and this is a biggie, God's Word uh, he just can't stand it. He knows that God's Word is true. He knows that uh, God's Word is pure, that God is can be counted on, whereas Satan uh, can't even count on himself, quite frankly. You know, he, he he's so self-deceived that he can't keep up with all of his lies. And so, you know, he, uh, he, he hates God's Word because God's Word is powerful. God spoke the world into existence. With a word, he's going to banish Satan to prison when he comes back, when Christ comes back, the Son of God. With a word, he's going to banish Satan to the lake of fire for all of eternity. There is power in the word. Um, and, uh, you know, God's word is, is uh, you know, with a word, Jesus Christ uh, defeated Satan or overcame Satan's temptations, right? Uh, remember in the wilderness, as uh, Jesus began his earthly ministry, uh, Satan tempted it each time. Jesus quoted Scripture to put yeah. Satan in his place. And so uh, Satan hates the Word of God because it is so, so, so powerful. And coming right out of that, number eight is, you know, a subset of the Word of God is the gospel. Satan hates the gospel. You know, evil people thrive on bad news. They want to give bad news. They want to discourage, depress, terrorize. That's why we call them terrorists. And uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is blinding men's hearts to the gospel because he knows, uh, as the Word of God makes clear, that the gospel is the power of God to salvation 
to everyone who believes it. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the message of the cross, this is verse 18, 1 Corinthians 1, 18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then uh, Paul quotes from Isaiah 29, 14, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And then you get almost this sort of mocking sarcasm uh, of evil, you know, when when Paul writes, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where are all these intellectual elites that have worldly wisdom that think they can outsmart God? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? So <laughs> Satan hates the gospel. He knows that the gospel is uh, man's only hope, you know? The bad news is we're all sinners. We've fallen short of the glory of God, and that sin comes with a steep penalty, just as God said it would, and that is death. If God is God and he, His Word is true, which it is, then we know that sin has to be punished. And uh, God's not fickle or unfaithful or unreliable or untrustworthy. He's certainly not a liar. So when He warned that uh, when you sin, you're going to die, He meant it. Death just means separation. It means separation from a holy God for all of eternity if you don't receive God's remedy on your behalf. And that is a free gift paid for by the blood of Christ. All you got to do is receive it. God doesn't want anyone uh, to die, Second Peter 3, 9, uh, and, and go to hell. He wants everybody to be saved. He demonstrated His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. But He doesn't force that love on anybody. In the same way that he didn't cause us to sin, we had a free choice. We have the free choice to accept or reject God's forgiveness and God's eternal life. And so you have to receive it, and you receive it by hearing the gospel. And so any ministry that is proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message is going to be right in Satan's crosshairs. And uh, Curtis, I can tell you from the beginning of our ministry, when early on uh, the Lord uh, kind of allowed me to develop a passion when I was just 22 years old for the clarity of the gospel. Prior to that, I was a believer. I knew the Lord. I was mostly walking with the Lord. Certainly, in you know, in teenage and college years, had times when I drifted away. Uh, not not perfect, but uh, in general, really uh, st stuck with the Lord my whole life. Uh, ever since I got saved as a six year old boy. Uh, but it wasn't until I was 22 that I realized, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there about the gospel. Yeah, early on, yeah, early on in my uh, ministry, the Lord just planted a burden to get it right and to keep it clear, and so that's what we've uh, you know dedicated our lives to now for almost thirty-five years. And so, I believe uh, because of that, and I've seen this with other colleagues and friends and loved ones that I've talked to that are equally passionate about the clarity, accuracy, and urgency of the gospel, that Satan has. Uh, really uh, been displeased with a lot of the stuff that we're doing. And we faced spiritual attack after spiritual attack. And yeah. um, you know, each of my new books, uh, all of my books, all 12 of the ones that are out there, uh, but uh, my latest three, we make a very clear presentation of the gospel throughout, as well as explicitly in the end at an epilogue, an afterward. And uh, so we want people to know how they can be saved. And anybody uh, that, uh, you know, uh, doesn't like, uh, you know, anybody that proclaims the gospel, Satan doesn't like. He hates it. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, we need to re remember that that just means we got to fight all the harder. And, uh, you know, we some of the biggest uh, critical emails that we get as our ministry has grown is from people who 
just can't get their hands around grace. I got one uh, just yesterday uh, from someone who heard me on another program and heard me describing the eternal security and the fact that, you know, if it's eternal, it can't be lost. And boy, they didn't like that at all. What do you mean it can't be lost? You got to keep doing good or you're going to lose it. If you don't straighten up and act right, God's going to send you to hell, you know, and they just, they don't get it. They've fallen victim to Satan's attacks on the gospel. And yep. Satan just, he, he knows that if he can cloud, obscure, confuse, even uh, twist and distort the gospel, uh, that he goes a long way in keeping people uh, from uh, from coming to faith. You know, one of the first. I think it's the book of Hebrews that says God is not the author of confusion. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. He's not the author who is. Yeah. I think we, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. And, uh, you know, he's Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith, that same book says in, in Hebrews 12. But the very first book Paul ever wrote in the Bible under the inspiration of the Spirit was a book called Galatians to the, the churches in southern Galatia that he had just recently visited and seen a great harvest of souls as people believed the free grace gospel and understood how to be saved simply by accepting a gift. It's not a contract. It's not something you can promise or pledge to do. You don't have to turn your life around, straighten up, get your ducks in a row. You just have to say, I'm a sinner. I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner who needs Christ. I need forgiveness. And only Jesus can offer it. And when you do that, you're saved. And these churches, these people in, in southern Galatia had gotten saved. And so uh, Paul writes a letter to them, the very first letter he wrote, in, in which he once again clarifies the, the purity of the gospel. And he says, anybody that preaches any other gospel to you uh, than that which we've preached to you is perverting the gospel. That's the way the New King James translates it. The word uh, pervert, metastrepho, it just means to twist or, or turn on its head, to make it 180 degrees opposite. And uh, you know, even if you try to preach a gospel that's 90% free and 10% commitment and promise or pledge, it's it might as well be a hundred percent commitment, right? It's a zero sum game. It's either all free or it's not. If it's not free, it's not grace. If it's not grace, it's not free. Paul talks about that in Romans four, four and five. So uh, let's review. We said that we've gotten through eight so far. God hates Satan. I mean, Satan hates God. Uh, Satan hates Jesus. Satan hates humanity. Satan hates the church. Satan hates the Jews. He hates being controlled. He despises God's word. Number eight, he hates the gospel. But two more as we wrap up, and that is Satan hates Bible prophecy. <laughs> and, and I have a suspicion why. It's because the culmination of a Bible prophecy is Satan himself ending up in hell. <laughs> so, yeah, he doesn't too fond of that. Yeah, I don't think I would be too happy about a book that uh, ended with my demise either. But, uh, you know, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So Satan is hard at work now. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the god of this age. John tells us in 1 John 5.19 that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. He's hard at work trying to not only blind men's hearts to the gospel, as we just discussed, but trying to blind men's hearts to prophecy. He does not want people to see that Christ is going to return victorious in power and great glory, and he's going to take the throne in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. He's going to reign over a powerful kingdom of justice and righteousness and, and perfection. Yeah. He didn't want people to know that. And, of course, part of the prophetic message of Scripture involves his own demise, and so he surely doesn't want people uh, to know that. And, you know, I was talking with, uh, I forget who it was on a recent podcast earlier this month, but they were uh, talking about how, 
you know, the Bible is unique because it, it, it it's just so transparent. It, it presents God's people and all their warts and flaws. I mean, Abraham was a flawed man. David, a man after God's own heart, yet he committed murder and adultery. And so in ancient history, uh, the ones who write history often uh, dress it up, and they would never, you know, some victorious king in a battle would never, uh, you know, write a story with all his warts and flaws. He's going to paint himself as a perfect victor who didn't do anything wrong and won the battle. Uh, yeah. But the fact that God, you know, revealed his word to us in all of its transparency uh, is just more testimony to the unique supernatural nature of it. But Satan's kind of the same way. He doesn't want people reading the truth about him. He wants to paint himself as the protagonist, not the antagonist, as the hero, the one who's going to, uh, you know, bring in a, a new kingdom, as Saul Alinsky said in his dedication to Satan in his book, uh, Rules for Radicals. Uh, we see this again and again, and I think the Luciferians that are conspiring with Satan today, uh, the world leaders, the globalists, uh, I think they, you know, they really have bought into this lie that the prophetic teaching of Scripture is is wrong, God got it wrong. It's not going to happen. Their guy is going to win. And uh, so, but someday they'll find out they're, they're sorely mistaken. So Satan, Satan hates Bible prophecy. He just doesn't want people to study it. And by the way, for those uh, Christians out there who have kind of been influenced, uh, unfortunately, by bad teaching that suggests uh, that, you know, the church is Israel. There is no future for Israel. Bible prophecy has all been fulfilled in the first century, those kinds of things. Just recognize, and I mean this not as a personal criticism, but from the heart, just realize if that's your view, you have been influenced by Satan because uh, he he's a liar and everything that's wrong emanates from him. And that is dead wrong. If you understand scripture in its plain, normal sense, you understand there is a future for national Israel. I just this morning, not an hour and a half before we got on, on the air together, just this morning, had an extensive conversation online with somebody about that very subject uh, who, who told me, oh, well, we're Israel now. No, we have not inherited the covenant that God made with Abraham. Nope. You're calling God a liar. Sorry, but that's what you're doing. Yeah. No, you're right. And uh and you know, you're you're uh, you're buying into Satan's lie. And that's what yeah. you're doing. So I mean, I mean, you know, the fact is it, it you know, sometimes people say to me, you know, you call these people Luciferians, you know, are you saying they really worship Satan? Well, yeah, at the top tier, they absolutely do. There's no question, as I've very well documented in my recent books, that there is a Luciferian elite that, that sit in dark smoke-filled rooms, sacrificing children and drinking blood. I know that's just distasteful, but that's, you know, biblical. It comes right out of the ancient Near East with Malach and Baal and all these other false gods, and even the children of Israel at times fell prey to that, and were sacrificing their children to satanic gods. So we know it's a fact, but we also know from our own current evidence that this is happening. So absolutely, at the top tiers, there are people that actually worship Satan. But even if you're lower down on the on the, the, the food chain in the Luciferian conspiracy, and you may not be talking to Satan directly or participating in satanic rituals, although most are. I mean, satanic ritual abuse and satanic rituals are permeating all aspects of uh, the uh, the the unseen hand of this uh, this co global conspiracy. But even if you're not, 
the fact of the matter is the Bible is very clear that Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. You know, he who is not with me is against me. So if you're not, uh, you know, worshiping and following the Lord Jesus, you are worshiping and following Satan. There's no middle ground. So in that sense, anyone who is not a believer is a child of wrath, the Bible tells us. You're either a child of God or you're a child of wrath. And in fact, let me look up a verse here. John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life. Now listen, but the wrath of God abides on him. So, you know, it is absolutely the case. Now you can dress it up and you can say, oh, these people are just misled or... uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, they're they're just uh, ignorant or, you know, don't be so hard on these poor people. Look, it's not my words. It's God's word. You're either a child of God or you're a child of Satan. Paul said in Ephesians 5, 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, but because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. You know, there's only one option if you're not a child of God. There's not degrees of, you know, kingdoms out there that you can align yourselves with. There are two. It all comes down to the cosmic battle between God and Satan. Started in the heavenlies, Satan staged a coup. It, he was rebuffed. He took one-third of the angels with him, and he's been fighting God ever since. And so, um, so yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's a good reminder. Finally, the last one, uh, and that is, this may be a surprise, not surprise, but you may, may not have uh, thought about this before, uh, Satan hates the earth and the sky. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, again, God spoke the world into existence. On the sixth day, he created man. We're the highest pinnacle of creation. We're the only ones made in the image of God, the only ones in whom he breathed the spirit of life. But all of creation was made perfect. When it was all done before the fall, God said, everything is very good. Uh, and so it represented God's glory. The heavens declare the glory of God, right? The firmaments, all of these things. And so, of course, when the fall of man took place, the curse of sin extended to all of creation. And that's why ever since the fall, we have, you know, thorns on rose bushes, we have winter storms and hurricanes, we have poison ivy, we have all kinds of problems with uh, the earth. Now, these problems are, you might say, brought on by man, but not in the way the the fake climate agenda suggests. It's not because we used too much deodorant or driving a SUV. Uh, the problem is sin. That's the problem with the earth. And that's why the earth is under the curse of sin and God's going to destroy it someday. But in the same way that mankind, the, the image of God in man has been tarnished by sin and can only be restored by faith in Christ— uh, the 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 image of uh, you know the 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 glory of God in the earth has been tarnished because of sin, but Satan still hates it. Just like he hates humanity, he hates the earth. And so you know we we see lots of examples in Scripture of Satan trying to destroy uh, the earth at the midpoint of the tribulation. Remember, we read in Revelation twelve, uh, "Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath." That's, uh, you know, uh, the wrath of Satan is going to be being poured out on the earth as well. And so we know that the Luciferians who are conspiring with Satan today to take over the world, they are doing everything they can to destroy this earth. You know, the geoengineering that they're doing under the pretext of protecting the world from uh, the you know the global warming and uh, spraying all of these nanoparticulate metals in the air, which they are on record as doing. We've got the, you yeah. know 
documentation all over the place. I have a whole chapter on that in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1. Uh, and it's, you know, there's patents, there's been congressional hearings, you know, presidents have talked about it. Yeah, there's no question they're spraying this stuff in the sky. Uh, but as as with everything else Satan does, it's it's never about what it's about. Usually whatever they tell you it's about, it's exactly the opposite. So when they say they're doing this to protect us, they're actually doing this to harm us. And uh, so, and the same thing with the oceans and the lakes and the freshwater supplies, they're dumping chemicals in there. Uh, so Satan hates the earth and the sky. Uh, he wants to destroy anything that can be traced back to God. And uh, so there you have it. 10 things Satan hates. Let me just run through them again. Satan hates God. He hates Jesus. He hates humanity. Satan hates the church, the Jews. He hates being controlled. He hates God's word. He hates the gospel in, in particular. He hates Bible prophecy, and he hates the earth and the sky. So, uh, Curtis, uh, thanks for letting me just share what's on my heart. I think that would make a great uh, sermon series or uh, even a, a great book at some point. But I just, as I was thinking about what motivates Satan, it's hatred. You know, God is love, the Bible tells us. And, yeah. uh, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Fear and love cannot coexist. God is not the all, you know, has not given us a spirit of fear. But right. Satan, by contrast, is all about a hatred. He's seething with hatred. And uh, these are just a few of the things that that he hates. So before I let you close it out, let me remind folks uh, a lot of what I've touched on in passing here uh, with uh, Christian Underground News Network is available in our latest three books. The two of them came out last year, one of them just came out. Uh, less than two months ago, about six weeks ago. And you can find out more about them at notbyworks.org, or you can go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, spiritoftheantichrist.org, and spiritoftheFalseProphet.org, spiritoftheFalseProphet.org. And you can read about those books and, and order them if you like. So thanks for letting me uh, come on uh, uh, today. And, uh, you know, we shared the gospel when I talked about how— uh, Satan hates Jesus and he hates the gospel. But if you're listening to this program and you don't know the Lord Jesus, let me implore you today, place your trust in Jesus Christ who died and rose again for your sins. Amen. Amen. And uh, I, I want to reiterate, JB, that uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to dive into your new book, Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. And uh, I can hardly wait to get started on it. Uh, I've looked through the table of contents. Oh, man, <laughs> you've done it again. You have yeah. done it again. So I can hardly wait to get into it. Uh, folks, get out there and get this book. This is important stuff. You need to know. You need to know. There's going to be a lot of, well, there's already been a lot of things happening in the news. Uh, you see it every day. Um, these things are going to be happening, these types of things these earth shattering events uh, that you're seeing are going to be happening at an even more rapid rate very, very soon. Um, and, but, but we want you as believers, we know that we should take heart because we have hope. We know who wins in the end. Uh, and, and ultimately it just means that Christ's return is even more imminent than we ever thought before. So, hey, listen, don't be sad. Be concerned for those family members and friends and co-workers that are not saved. You know they're not. Uh, and concentrate 
on winning them to Christ. Amen. Give it your all. Give it your all because we don't have much time before before Jesus comes back. Amen. Uh, you know what I mean? It, 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 it's I, I think about it every day, JB. Yeah. And we have uh, gospel tracks, by the way, that we sell in bundles of a hundred uh, that you can give out that pre that teach the clear gospel. And it's called the good news track. Uh, yeah. uh, put that together for us. And uh, between Brooke and my wife, Wendy, uh, they came up with the cover. They're really handy. Uh, and I'm so, I tell you, we, we love, you know, anything that we send out from our online store when people buy things, it just thrills our heart because we know that the gospel is going forth and they're going to you know, grow in their knowledge of the Lord. But particularly when we package up tracks and we do sell a lot of them, it just thrills my heart. Cause I just, I think, where are these going to end up? That's as, right. As they blanket the earth. And so praise God, if you're interested in helping share the gospel, uh, go to notbyworks.org and check out our online store. And uh, we give those away too. I think I've mentioned many times that every package that goes out of our office, every envelope, every letter, whatever, whatever, it gets a gospel track in it, and we give them out at conferences, at hotels, everywhere we go. So uh, you can find those at our online store. Well, JB, uh, once again, I want to thank you for for uh, you, the hour that you've dedicated to the Christian Underground News Network and the, the spread of the gospel and the dissemination of really critical information. Um, you know, in order to defeat an enemy, you need to know as much as you can about the enemy. Uh, and uh, well, that that was a fairly fairly concise list, but complete. Yeah, uh, very completely. Everything that Satan hates. Listen, just remember when you're attacked, the Bible says, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. He's a coward. Mm -hmm. He hates things. He hates all of the things that JB talked about today. But really. He's nothing but a coward. He's he's afraid of you because you're a child of God. Don't you forget it. Amen. He still Great. hates you. Yep. But greater, is he, you greater is he who is in you who he, than he who is in the world. Amen. Amen. And, and that's how we're going to close this episode out. JB, thank you once again. God bless you, brother, for what you're doing. And uh, I know you've been so busy. And, uh, you know, I, I always pray for God to give you the strength resilience and and the courage that it takes to do what you're doing um, and it takes all of those things and and uh, so we we pray for you constantly and we we will continue to do so and um, so i thank you for being with us again thank you for your time and your energy and your efforts um, and so i want to remind you that we will have some upcoming uh some upcoming podcasts with lucas doremus and Pastor Dick, when he gets to feeling a little bit better, he's been a little on the downside physically. Uh, he'll be back on the air, hopefully. And uh, I want you to be praying for Pastor Dick, especially, if you will. Yeah. Pray for JB. Pray for, for Lucas. These are these are great Christian soldiers, yes. great soldiers of the faith, and, and but they need your prayer. Uh, and... Uh, I think we all need a lot of that, don't we, JB? Amen. And we're praying for you too, my friend. Thank you, my brother. All right. Listen, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to sign off until probably uh, our next podcast with Lucas, uh, which will be, oh my goodness, a couple of weeks from now, if not before. We'll keep you posted. But we thank you for tuning in and listening. Take this information that you got today and spread it. Share the podcast with people. Let them know 
that uh, that you care, you love them, and uh, that you're concerned about their eternal future. Uh, with that, this is your host, Kurt Chamberlain, signing off for the Christian Underground News Net Network. We will uh, we will see you again soon, and until then, may God bless and keep you. <laughs>